Chapter 32 of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter 32 and i go to brave a world i hate and woo it o'er and o'er and tempt a wave and try a fate upon a stranger shore i shall take the three children and you too or i shall not go at all says she addressing her sister with an air of decision if you have really made up your mind about it says mr monkton i agree with you the house in harley street is big enough for a regiment and my mother says the servants will be in it on our arrival if we accept the invitation joyce will be a great comfort to us and a help on the journey over the children are so fond of her joyce turns her face to her brother-in-law and smiles in a little pleased way she has been so grave of late that they welcome a smile from her now at any time and even court it the pretty lips erstwhile so prone to laughter are now too serious by far when therefore monkton or his wife go out of their way to gain a pleased glance from her and succeed both feel as if they have achieved a victory why have they offered us a separate establishment was there no room for us in their own house asks mrs monkton presently i dare say they thought we should be happier so in a place of our own well i dare say we shall she pauses for a moment why are they in town now at this time of year why are they not in their country house ah oh, that is a last thorn in their flesh says monkton with a quick sigh they have had to let the old place to pay my brother's debts he is always a trouble to them this last letter points a greater trouble still and in their trouble they have turned to you to the little grandchildren says joyce softly one can understand it oh yes oh you should have told me says barbara flushing as if with pain i am the hardest person alive i think you think it looking directly at her husband i think only one thing of you says mr monkton rising from the breakfast table with a slight laugh it is what i have always thought that you are the dearest and loveliest thing on earth the bantering air he throws into this speech does not entirely deprive it of the truthful tenderness that formed it there he says that ought to take off the gloom of the brow of any well-regulated woman coming as it does from an eight-year-old husband oh you must be older than that says she at which they all laugh together you're wise to go barbara says joyce now in a livelier way as if that last quick unexpected feeling of amusement has roused her to a sharper sense of life if once they see you no you mustn't put up your shoulder like that i tell you if once they looked at you they would feel the measure of their folly i shall end by fancying myself says mrs monkton impatiently and then you will all have fresh work cut out for you the bringing of me back to my proper senses well with a sigh as i have to see them i wish what that there could be a hearty believer in your and joyce's flattery or else that they your people are not so prejudiced against me it will be an ordeal when you are about it with them a few grains of common sense says her husband wrathfully 
just fancy the folly of an impertinence that condemned a fellow being on no evidence whatsoever neither eye nor ear were brought in as witnesses oh well says she considerably mollified by his defamation of his people i dare say they are not so much to be blamed after all and with a little quick laugh at her sister as joyce says my beauties are still unknown to them they will be delighted when they see me they will indeed returns joyce stolidly and so you are really going to take me with you oh i'm glad i haven't spent any of my money this winter barbara i have some therefore i have always wanted to see london it will be a change for the children too says barbara with a troubled sigh i suppose to her husband they will think them very countrified who your mother what do you think of them oh that has got nothing to do with it everything rather you are analyzing them you are exalting an old woman who has been unkind to you at the expense of the children who love you ah oh, she analyzes them because she too loves them says joyce it is easy to pick fault in those who have a real hold upon our hearts for the rest it doesn't concern us how the world regards them it sounds as if it ought to read the other way round says monkton no no to love is to see faults not to be blind to them the old reading is wrong says joyce you are unfair freddy declares his wife with dignity i would not decry the children i am only a little nervous as to their reception when i know that your father and mother are prepared to receive them as my children i know they will get but little mercy at their hands that speech isn't like you says monkton but it is impossible to blame you for it they are the dearest children in the world says joyce don't think of them they must succeed let them alone to fight their own battles you may certainly depend upon tommy says his father for any emergency that calls for fists and heels where battle murder and sudden death are to be locked for tommy will be all there oh i do hope he will be good says his mother half amused but plainly half terrified as well two weeks later sees them settled in town in the harley street house that seems enormous and unfriendly to mrs monkton but delightful to joyce and the children who wander from room to room and under her guidance pretend to find bears and lions and boogies in every corner the meeting between barbara and lady monkton had not been satisfactory there had been very little said on either side but a chill that lay on the whole interview had never been thought for a moment barbara had been stiff and cold if entirely polite but not at all the barbara to whom her husband had been up to this accustomed he did not blame her for the change of front under the circumstances but he could hardly fail to regret it and it puzzled him a great deal to know how she did it he was dreadfully sorry about it secretly and would have given very much more than the whole thing was worse to let his father and mother see his wife as she really is the true barbara lady monkton had been stiff too unpardonably so as it was certainly her place to make amends to soften and smooth down the preliminary embarrassment but then she had never been framed for suavity of any sort and an old aunt of monkton's a sister of hers had been present during the interview and had helped considerably to keep up the frigidity of the atmosphere she was not a bad old woman at heart this aunt she had indeed 
from time to time given up all her own small patrimony to help her sister to get the eldest son out of his many disreputable difficulties she had done this partly for the sake of the good old family names on both sides and partly because the younger george monkton was very dear to her from his early boyhood the scapegrace of the family had been her admiration and still remained so in imagination for years she had not seen him and perhaps this that she considered a grievance was a kindness of vouchsafed to her by providence had she seen the pretty boy of twenty years ago as he now is she would not have recognized him the change from the merry blue-eyed daring lad of the past to the bloated blear-eyed reckless-looking man of to-day would have been a shock too cruel for her to bear but this she was not allowed to realize and so remained true to her belief in him as she remembered him in spite of her many good qualities she was nevertheless a dreadful woman the more dreadful to the ordinary visitor because of the false front she wore and the flashing purchased teeth that shone on her upper jaw she lived entirely with sir george and lady monkton having indeed given them every penny that would have enabled her to live elsewhere perhaps of all the many spites they owned their elder son the fact that his inquisities had inflicted upon them his maternal aunt for the rest of her natural days was the one that rankled keenest she disliked frederick not only intensely but with an openness that had its disadvantages not for any greater reason than that he had behaved himself so far in his journeys through life more credibly than his brother she had always made a point against him of his undutiful marriage and never failed to add fuel to the fire of his father's and mother's resentment about it whenever that fire seemed to burn low altogether she was by no means an amiable old lady and being very hideous into the bargain was not much run after by society generally she wasn't of the least consequence in any way being not only old but very poor yet people dreaded her and would slip away round doors and corners to avoid her tongue she succeeded in spite of all drawbacks in making herself felt and it was only one or two impervious beings such as dicky brown for example who knew the monktons well and was indeed distantly connected with them through his mother who could endure her manners with any attempt at equanimity End of chapter thirty two recording by monica raleigh